0: Thanks to this season's presenting sponsor, Driscolls, Only the Finest Berries.
1: Hello, young chefs, and welcome back to Mystery Recipe!
0: I'm Molly Birnbaum, Editor-in-Chief of America's Test Kitchen Kids.
1: And I'm Bitsy oven mitt, Molly's right-hand gal, and co-host on the show.
0: Every week on Mystery Recipe, we'll be talking about the fun, fantastical, and fascinating sides of a different kitchen ingredient.
1: Plus, at the end of the season, we'll use all the ingredients to cook a mystery recipe together. Can you guess what it
0: is yet? It will use cinnamon, vegetable oil, garlic, and chipotle chili powder. Today is Day 2 of Chipotle Chili Powder Week.
1: That's right, and I'm a little nervous. Really? Yeah, I don't really like spicy foods, but in today's episode, we have some hot and spicy facts in our tricky trivia segment, followed by a conversation about tradition in Ask a Grown Up.
0: Mitzi, you don't like spicy things?
1: I just can't handle it. As an oven mitt, I have no problem with hot things, but not hot things, you know?
0: I do know. Well, let's get started.
1: To the theme! Looks good. I bet it tastes good. Ooh. I was young, young, and foolish. Mystery Recipe.
0: I didn't realize you weren't a fan of spicy, Minty.
1: Never have been. Ever since I was a tiny mitt, I couldn't handle a lick of spice. Haven't tried anything spicy at all since.
0: Really? How long has it been?
1: Molly, are you trying to trick me into saying how
0: old I am? No, I just meant you really haven't tried any spicy food in years.
1: Uh Uh-huh. Years and years and years and years.
0: Well, you do know that your taste in food changes as you grow up, right, Mitzi?
1: I did not know that.
0: Uh, what do you mean? Well, it's complicated. There are a lot of different factors, but it has to do with evolution and biology and emotional connection. We can't really get into all of it here, but it is true.
1: Golly, Molly, what a fact! I wish I had known this sooner! I may have been missing out on some secretly yummy foods for so long!
0: How old are you, Mitzi?
1: I'm not telling!
0: Hi, friends! Um...
1: Why are we yelling? Because my age is a secret, Greg. It's good to see you, buddy. Welcome to your day. It's gonna be a great one.
2: Oh, well, gee, that sounds awesome, Mitzi.
1: Listen, you two think you can handle Tricky Trivia without me today? Well,
2: sure, Mitzi. But don't we
1: always do
2: Tricky Trivia without you?
1: Well, all right. I'm off to go try some foods that I used to not like at all. I'll be back.
0: All right. Well, while Mitzi is off having her not-so-good food buffet, let's start with tricky trivia, Greg. I'm going to give you a fact about our ingredient theme, and you have to help our listeners guess if it's true or false. Are you ready to play? All righty, then. I think I feel like I'm ready. All right. Here's your first one. True or false – Chipotle chili powder and just plain old chili powder are the same thing. What do you think, Greg? Are Chipotle chili powder and chili powder the same thing?
2: Well, they both have the word chili and powder in the name, so they're at least similar, if not the same. I'm guessing Chipotle is important though. Maybe it describes the type of chili pepper used in that powder, but Chipotle chilies could also be used in plain old chili powder. A Chipotle chili is always a chili, but a chili is not always a Chipotle chili. Hmm. And it's not called not-Chipotle powder, right?
0: Right, I think. So true! This one is actually false. While both Chipotle chili powder and chili powder have dried ground chilies in them, they are different. Chipotle chili powder is made from dried ground Chipotle chilies, just like you said. But plain old chili powder also contains other ingredients, usually garlic powder, oregano, ground cumin, and sometimes even salt and monosodium glutamate.
2: Oh, wow. Seems like they should say that on the label.
0: I think they do. Just not as catchy a title.
2: Yeah, it would be uh, chili, garlic, oregano, cumin, and sometimes even salt and monosodium glutamate powder. Oh, dear. I even lost interest halfway through, and I was the one saying it.
0: Okay, ready for your next one?
2: As I'll ever be.
0: True or false, chipotle peppers are made from jalapeno peppers.
2: If I were a betting cheese grater, I would guess that chipotle peppers and jalapeno peppers are two different types of peppers altogether. And you don't make one out of the other. But I felt confident before and then gotten the answer wrong. And I can't really reason myself through this one, so
0: I'll guess true. Ding, ding, ding! All right! You're correct. Chipotle peppers aren't a separate type of pepper. They are indeed jalapeno peppers that have been smoked and dried. When you grind them up, you create chipotle chili powder.
2: Mmm, yum!
0: All right, are you ready for your last one? True or false? The world's official spiciest pepper is called the monster pepper. So, Greg, is that true or false? Is the world's official spiciest pepper called the monster pepper? Hmm,
2: monsters are scary. And uh, <sighs> spiciness scares me, if I'm being honest. <sighs> if I were a scientist who discovered the world's spiciest pepper, I would probably call it a monster. So true. This
0: one is false. I agree it would be a great name, But in this case, the current official hottest pepper in the world is the Carolina Reaper.
2: The Carolina
0: what? Reaper. And I'm not afraid of spiciness, but I would be afraid of this pepper. It's a cross between a ghost pepper and a red habanero. It's 200 times hotter than a jalapeno pepper.
2: Ouch. So if I ever see a Carolina Reaper on the menu... I'm going to steer clear of that nonsense. Two hundred times hotter than no thank you. Not for me.
0: I'd say that's a good plan. Nice job with tricky trivia today.
2: Aw, thank you, Molly. I really worked out some of those answers on the fly, if I'm being honest. But the results were right on for me.
1: Knock, knock! Can you get the door for us?
3: Hey, Molly. Hey, Greg. Sorry about the smell. Mitzi! Mitzi!
0: What's all this?
1: Well, once I learned that my taste buds have changed since I was little, I was immediately flooded with memories of foods that I don't like, or at least that I used to not like. So, Chad helped me gather some ingredients I used to find supremely yucky to see if I love them now. (laughs) Oh, wow.
2: The smell is really strong, boss.
3: Yeah, I didn't realize we'd be bringing all of this stuff into the studio. My bad. What kind of stuff do you have here, Mitzi?
1: Well, I am so glad you asked, Greg. Here, I have some anchovies fresh from the can. I've got some roasted Brussels sprouts over here, and we've got some hot sauce mixed with mayonnaise for those, asparagus and broccoli, and what else?
3: Well, we've got a can of olives, we've got some mushrooms, some spinach, salt and vinegar chips. Salt and vinegar chips? Honestly, this
0: all sounds delicious to me.
3: Right? Me too. I told Mitzi we could share it with you all, but I didn't expect we'd be eating it all at the same time.
0: Well, it is just about time for the commercial break. Maybe we can dig in while we cut to a word from our sponsors?
3: Sounds good to me. Hey, Mitzi, can you pass the olives?
0: We'll be back after a word from our sponsors. Grownups, these ads are for you. Hey, grownups. I want to tell you about our sponsor, the Kroger Family of Stores. If you're anything like me, it's easy to let grocery shopping fall to the bottom of your to-do list. Kroger's grocery delivery service has taken the stress out of the process. You don't even need to leave your house. Shop online and get fresh groceries delivered to your house in as little as an hour. Shopping couldn't be simpler. It's easy to find the items you buy often, or you can search for exactly what you're looking for. Then schedule a delivery time that works for you and get back to what matters most. Save time and order online with Kroger's Grocery Delivery. Learn more at Kroger.com. Hey, grown-ups! Today, I want to tell you all about mangoes and how mangoes are a superfood. I talked to Michael Warren from the National Mango Board to find out exactly what that means. Michael. What is a superfood?
4: A superfood is a food that will accentuate nutrition and health. And if I had my way, it would taste good as well.
0: Why are mangoes considered a superfood?
4: They have 20 vitamins and minerals in them. Big in vitamin C. They have vitamin B's, vitamin A. It's a source of folate and copper.
0: How can one fruit be both delicious and super good for you? Well,
4: they squeezed it all into a mango.
0: If you want to know more about what makes mangoes super, you can head to mango.org slash mystery recipe. And we are back. And mm, mm,
2: full.
1: All of that food was delicious. I had no idea there were so many yummy green veggies just hiding in plain sight all these years.
0: Well, now you know.
1: My brain is still going a mile a minute. There are just so many foods I used to dislike. I think I'm ready for round two of the foods I used to find not so good buffet.
2: Are we really calling it that, boss?
1: We are. Greg, want to give me a hand? I'm going to go raid the walk-in fridge.
0: Well, while you do that, how about we move on to our next segment? It's time for Ask a Grown-Up. So, Chad, what are we learning about today?
3: Well, Molly, it's Chipotle Chili Powder Week, and Chipotle Chili Powder is made of Chipotle chilies. Like we learned earlier this episode, Chipotle chilies are jalapeno peppers that have been smoked and then dried. I wanted to know how Chipotle chilies first started to get made. Why did people decide to smoke and dry jalapeno peppers and then turn them into powder?
0: And what did you find?
3: Well, these peppers are native to Mexico, and so I wanted to talk to someone who lives and works in Mexico about them.
0: Can you hear me? I
3: can. Hi. Hey, how are you? This is Susana Trilling. Susana is a chef, cookbook author, and owns a cooking school in Oaxaca, Mexico, called Seasons of My Heart, or Cezanne de mi Corazon.
5: I've had it for... 27 years. Uh, It's a hands-on cooking school. It's on a ranch outside, half an hour outside of Oaxaca City. And um, we study Oaxacan food, so we're teaching more fundamentals of traditional cooking.
3: What I learned from her is that people have been growing jalapeno peppers in Mexico for thousands of years, dating all the way back to the Aztec people who lived in Mexico for a very long time, something like the 13 to 1500s. And the tradition of smoking these peppers goes back just as far.
5: They would have a harvest of chilies, and they would use all the chilies fresh. And then they started to dry them because they had excess. And I always call Mexico the land of no waste because everything is recycled and put to use. So in this instance, dried chilies are a way of, if there's a A big crop of chilies that are fresh, you can eat them all all you can while they're fresh, but then you have to dry them and then you can eat them later.
3: So basically, Chipotle chilies actually started as a solution to a problem. The problem was that people had too many of these jalapeno peppers. They couldn't eat them all. The solution was to dry them so that they lasted longer. But there was another problem. Jalapenos were particularly hard to dry.
5: The jalapeno is a very thick-walled chili. Like we call it thick wall, means that, you know, there's a lot of flesh there. And it would start to mold, like it was harder to dry. And so that they started to use this smoking process.
3: Jalapenos have a lot of flesh, like Susanna said, and so leaving them out in the sun wasn't enough to really dry them out. They need some extra help to get preserved, and so they are smoked smoking jalapenos does a lot to dry them out and preserve them so that they last a lot longer after harvest. And it just so happens to give them this rich, smoky flavor that has become something of a trademark.
0: So then, what is that final step from smoked and dried chipotle chilies to chipotle chili powder? Okay,
5: so chipotle chili powder are just the dried chilies, and then they're... You're just ground in a grinding machine. So they're just ground chipotle chilies?
3: Exactly. And they're really good.
5: Because they're smoked, they have like a smoky flavor, like you're being out at the campfire. And then they got so popular by themselves that some people just grow the chilies not to eat them fresh at all, but to dry them and, and to smoke them.
3: What started as a solution to a problem, smoking and drying the extra jalapeno harvest so that it will last longer, eventually became a spicy, smoky spice used throughout Mexican food and now all over the world. The origins of so many of the things we eat can be traced back to stories just like this one. Stories about specific places and the foods that naturally grew there. It's really fun to look at the history of some of our favorite foods because everything started somewhere.
0: Thanks, Chad. And thanks to Susanna Trilling of Seasons of My Heart as well. Grown-ups, you can learn more about Susanna's cooking school by going to seasonsofmyheart.com. There are a number of online cooking classes available there to purchase. And you can also find links to some of Susanna's cookbooks there too.
1: Molly! Door! Please! It's me!
0: I've got it. Whoa! <laughs> Mitzi, the smell this time is truly overwhelming.
3: Yeah, I- I'm out of here. Sorry, y'all. See you next week.
1: Well, all the foods that I thought were yucky actually turn out to be very good. So I figured if I find food that is really stinky, then it will actually be amazing.
0: I don't like where this is going.
1: Okay, I've got this fruit and jello mold here. I don't want to guess how old that is. And we've got some expired milk, some boiled cabbage.
0: Mitzi, I don't think this is a good idea.
1: Molly, how will I know where the line is drawn, you know? Between secretly delicious and truly foul. I've spent years living as a cautious eater and missing the opportunities roasted Brussels sprouts provide. I can't go back to living like that.
4: What's going on here? Ugh, that smell. Hey, is that my grandma's fruit and jello mold?
1: Uh Uh-huh. Can I use it?
4: Knock yourself out. Are we throwing away old food? I've got some cheese that's been in the drawer of my desk for months.
1: No, we aren't throwing food away, but, uh, what drawer
0: was that, Andrea?
1: Top left. I'll be back.
0: Do I want to know? Probably not. But hi, Andrea. Glad you're here. Just in time for how-to time. Hello there, Andrea. Hi, Greg. It's always good to see you, bud. Andrea is a test cook here at America's Test Kitchen Kids. That means she works on developing recipes and experiments for our cookbooks and things like the Young Chefs Club boxes. You can find out more about all that fun stuff by going to atkkids.com.
2: So, uh, Andrea, what are we going to
4: be learning about today? We're going to learn about conversions. Like the cars? Where the roofs come off? What does that have to do with cooking? No, that's convertibles. Oh, right. (laughs) You mean conversions
2: like the conversion you and I are having right now.
4: No, Greg. That's a conversation. Today I'm going to teach you how to convert measurements and recipes. What does that mean? In recipes, ingredients can be measured in all sorts of amounts. Teaspoons, tablespoons, cups, ounces, the list goes on. Sometimes you might want or need to measure an ingredient in a different way than a recipe calls for, and so you might need a conversion. Why would you wanna do that? Well, a conversion is just math. It's a way to think about how we measure ingredients. Should we try an example? Let's start with teaspoons and tablespoons. I have a teaspoon and a tablespoon with me right here. They are both a way to measure ingredients, right? Correct. I can see that the tablespoon is much bigger than the teaspoon, both of which
2: are a way to decide how much of each ingredient I'm using in a dish.
4: Right. If a recipe were to say, add a bunch of flour, it would be hard for you to know exactly how much to add. But if a recipe were to say, add four tablespoons of flour, Then you know exactly the amount they're looking for.
2: Great. Measuring ingredients is very important. Right.
4: Greg, can you hand me that tablespoon? Surely. Here you go. Thank you. Whoa! Andrea, you just threw that tablespoon across the room. Whoops. I guess it just slipped. But Greg, now we have a problem, right? I need to measure four tablespoons of flour for this recipe, but I don't have a tablespoon I can use to measure. What do you think we should do?
2: Well, based on the way this podcast usually works, I would say we can use a conversion.
4: That is exactly right. We do have a teaspoon still, and so we can use a conversion to measure four tablespoons using a teaspoon. How do we do that? Well, first we need to know how many teaspoons are in one tablespoon. There are three teaspoons in one tablespoon, Greg. Three teaspoons are equal to one tablespoon, got it. So how do you think I can use that information for my conversion? Well, some people might be able to use math. That's right. If there are three teaspoons for every tablespoon and I need four tablespoons, I could use multiplication to find what three times four equals. But not all our listeners are doing multiplication yet. Another mathy way to do this would be to use addition. Three plus three plus three plus three. Okie doke, three plus three equals six, six plus three equals nine,
2: nine plus three equals 12. Right, or you can just count. Okay, Uh, I can measure flour one teaspoon at a time, but every time I get to three, it is one tablespoon. So I can say one, two, three, one tablespoon. One, two, three, two tablespoons. One, two, three, three tablespoons. And one, two,
4: three, four tablespoons. Did I do it? You did. Nice work, Greg. You just did your first conversion. You used 12 teaspoons to measure out four tablespoons. That was amazing. Are there more conversions I can learn? There are so many conversions to learn. The teaspoon to tablespoon conversion is very useful. There's one more that I use all the time and that's tablespoons to cups. Oh, wow. How many tablespoons are in one cup, Andrea? There are 16 tablespoons in one cup. What's important to remember is a conversion is a way to find one measurement using another. Like
2: using three teaspoons to measure out a tablespoon of flour, or using 16 tablespoons to measure out a cup of flour.
4: Exactly. You can also make yourself a little cheat sheet and keep it in your kitchen with you to refer to when you're cooking. I have mine taped to my refrigerator. You can always ask a grown-up to look it up online, too. When I need to do a specific conversion and I don't really feel like doing the math, I'll just Google it.
2: Wow! Very good to know all of those things. I am excited to put these skills to use. Thanks, Andrea. Uh...
4: Well, that's my cue to clear out
1: of here. Bye! Molly. Molly. I have made a grave mistake.
0: I tried to warn you, Mitzi.
1: There is a level of not-so-good foods that should not be reached. Some foods that are just bad.
0: Well, you said you wanted to find the line between secretly delicious and truly foul.
1: I was young, young, and foolish.
0: How young,
2: exactly?
1: I'm not telling, Greg. uh. Oh, oh, I shouldn't exert myself like that. I'm in a fragile state.
0: All right. Well, I think that's all the time we have for today. We'll be back soon with another spicy episode. We've got some very hot science in our pressing questions segment, followed by something spicy in our wildcard.
1: And remember... At the end of the season, we'll be using all of our ingredients in a very special mystery recipe to cook together. Can you guess what it is? Yeah, if I'm ever able to eat anything again.
0: If you love Mystery Recipe, be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. That way you won't miss an episode. And if you like this episode, share it with a friend.
1: Or feel free to leave us a review. I mean, we love reading them. Until then, keep, keep
0: on, on cooking. cooking. Mystery Recipe is hosted by me, Molly Burnbaum, and I am a chocolate croissant. Chad Chennai is our writer and producer. He is Eggs Benedict. Our executive producer is Caitlin Kelleher. She's a breakfast burrito. Scoring, sound design, and mixing by Anya Jeshik and Matt Boynton of Ultraviolet Audio. They are two eggs over easy with a side of corned beef hash. Jonathan Roberts composed our theme music and is a Pop-Tart. Our post-production supervisor is Jen Margolis. She's French toast. Our line producer is Diane Knox, who is also an omelet. Jack Bishop is the chief creative officer of America's Test Kitchen. He's two double lattes. David Nussbaum is our CEO, and he's a blueberry pancake. Special thanks to our senior science editor Paul Adams, executive editor Kristen Sargianis, executive food editor Susanna McFerrin, senior editors Afton Cyrus and Ali Velez Aldifer, test cooks Andrea Vavjin and Cassandra Laughlin, assistant editors Katie O'Hara and Tess Berger, and assistant test cook Kristen Bango. Andrea Vavjin was a contributing writer on this episode. This episode featured the voices of Kira O'Sullivan and Jonathan Cormer. Thanks again to our sponsors, Kroger and the National Mango Board. Mystery Recipe is a production of America's Test Kitchen Kids.
2: Hey, how was Andrea's grandma's fruit and jello mold? Really that bad?
1: Greg, 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 please do not ever say the words jello mold to me ever
0: again. Uh, sure. Uh, Copy that, boss. Mitzi, you ate old desk cheese. What did you expect?
1: Oh, Molly, I am fragile right now. I feel stinky.
0: Hi, grown-ups. I wanted to tell you a little bit about our newsletter.